0: Before we go to prayer tonight we want to lift up jessica miller pastor jessica is really sick and that's why pastor steve called me and asked me short notice to fill in i'm always happy to do that but she was tested she's negative that's not what it is but it is certainly she is really feeling bad you know if the bible says that one can send a thousand to flight and two can send 10,000 Can you imagine what we can do collectively as this group? So I want you to pray like you've never prayed before out loud. It's not me leading. It's us praying for our pastor's wife. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift up Jessica to you. We come against whatever that is. Whatever it is. If it's a bug, if it's the flu, it doesn't matter what it is. Lord, You have more power. You're the healer. Your eye is searching to and fro on the earth to show Yourself strong on behalf of those who are loyal to You. Lord, bless her. Come, Holy Spirit, come into that room and give her strength. Let her know at this time, at 717, she was being lifted up to the throne. Hallelujah. Give her strength, Lord. Let her body rest. And Lord, when she wakes tomorrow morning, it'll be a new day. Thank you, God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have, I guess, if the ushers are prepared, we'll do our offering now as our youth are being dismissed. If you have an offering, just hold it up in the air and one of the ushers will come by uh, with a bag. So another
1: song fill me up until i overflow i wanna run over i wanna run over fill me up until i I wanna
0: you praise team. Do you appreciate our praise team? Amen. Oh, there's nothing like music and worship and the importance that that plays. For those that don't know me, I'm Kenny and I'm thrilled and honored to stand behind this podium. I'm also humbled by that. That is a huge responsibility and um, I don't take it lightly. You know, Pastor, we recently we were doing grow. I mean, the um, small groups, and now we're not doing that. We're back to a regular, what we call a regular Wednesday night Bible study. And um, does that sound sound okay? Is it echoing? Is it? Are y'all okay? I can, okay. And um, Pastor, last week he had dealt with names, and he dealt with a story of how names, you know, people can speak over you, and um, parents naming their children and sometimes they live according to that and it's in this day we kind of the new trend our new society doesn't do that as much but boy they used to and uh, we see Bible characters where they were given a name because of their birth and the things that had happened and we saw you know Jacob which meant deceiver and later when God changed his heart he changed his name to Israel and um, because he was no longer a deceiver and so forth and um, I noticed that you're getting spoken over you and you don't you may not think that they have an effect on you but they do they do and so I know Jim mentioned last week that how many times growing up have you heard it or certainly heard some parent to someone else going shame on you you know that's a pronouncing something on someone shame on you and there are people who live with shame I was working on a lady's house one time and I was up on the roof and the windows you know up on the roof were open so you could hear the conversation down inside and she was an adoptive mother and I couldn't believe what I was hearing she thought it was in jest But she's going, she wanted her to eat her food or something. And she goes, you better behave her. I'm going to take you back to the adoption agency. And I thought, how dare you speak such a thing over a child? To think that you keeping them is conditional upon their behavior. Are you kidding me? We never know the impact that what people speak to us and what it will do to us. I remember something so small and yet so much of an impact. When I was in fourth or fifth grade, like most elementary kids do, you have a crush on your teacher. You know. You didn't, John? Oh, come on. Well, I don't know, maybe she saw me staring at her too much or something and she just looked over and she goes, you know, you just look mischievous. That destroyed me. The teacher that I had a crush on has now said that, and I don't know why she said it, said, maybe I did look mischievous. I don't know, Pastor Mike, do I look mischievous? Come on. Okay, thanks. But it's amazing what someone will say that you'll believe, or even if you think you don't believe, it will in fact can take hold and be a root. My sister she's a PhD in education, she was up at Rickards High School in Tallahassee and um, 70% minority population and here she was a PhD in math and she told her principal give me your remedial students the ones that have to get a math credit in order to graduate they've been told that they're stupid they can't learn they can't do anything and they've been told that their whole life she said give them to me. Well lo and behold She started, she challenged this class. She goes, everybody's been calling you stupid your whole life. Why don't we teach them a lesson? Why don't we do some trigonometry and algebra and physics? Before it was over, not only did their attendance change. See, when kids get motivated, then they get to actually get, they like school better and they quit skipping school so much and they started making B's and C's and she was teaching them not just general math, she was teaching trig and calculus and physics and so forth. Well a friend of hers happened to be the daughter of someone on the State Board of Education in the state of Florida and she knew that story and she invited my sister to go to a banquet with this man and he, she said, Dad this is that teacher that I was telling you about and he said ma'am what's wrong with our math system she goes we're teaching it wrong we're teaching a memorization base six times nine seven times eight But we teach memorization not understanding and that's why people, if that's not the side of the brain that they function on, math is extremely difficult for them because it's totally based on memorization of formulas and so forth instead of understanding with the formula. And he goes, really? Well, word got out, and sure enough, my sister made Paul Harvey. Some of you, we date, some of you remember. Paul Harvey, page two. And he even made that radio show. He said, a teacher in Tallahassee had failing math students and had them doing high-level math by the end of the semester. So she was invited by the State Board of Education to rewrite the math curriculum for the state of Florida. And she did. And then she traveled around the nation teaching those new curriculum standards to other math departments around the nation. Amazing. All because one teacher told a kid that he was worth something and that he could learn and that he could succeed and they believed her. There's the catch. They believed her. Because they saw, and I spent 12 years in education, we have our system is inundated with wonderful teachers that love their students, love their profession, and there and there are some others. (laughs) And it's like when a student finds someone that will believe in them, they'll die for you. Oh my goodness, they'll do anything for you. Coaching's no different. You know, most of the time when I preach, I share, I had coaching of baseball and soccer in the background and so forth. Same thing. When kids see that you believe in it, well, you know, it doesn't stop with kids. Adults are the same when you look somebody in the eye and they know that you trust them and that you're giving them responsibility and you believe in them, they start believing in themselves, you can change the world. Change the world. So see, it all comes down to what is spoken. When Pastor Steve, I said last week, dealt with that, of even from your name to things being spoken over you. So what I wanted to do is... Most of us, if we, of course, growing up as, you know, as kids, we've heard our parents say this phrase, and as parents, we might have used it a few times ourselves. What did I say? I don't know how many times you heard it, I heard it a lot. Something happened in my mind. What did I say? Well, this is God saying to us, What did I say? Isn't it interesting how our natural man automatically by default will believe what Satan says and whispers in our ear? We will almost instantly accept what he says, but then God has to somehow prove himself before we'll accept it. Why is that? Well, that obviously our, it's our natural man. But see, remember this. God cannot tell a lie, and Satan can't tell the truth, so that means if you hear a voice in your ear that says, you're stupid, you'll never amount to anything, you immediately know where it's coming from because God would never say that to you, ever. So that immediately exposes where it came from. Well, now let me, here's the secret. If you know Satan can't tell the truth, then when you recognize who it's coming from, now you can be encouraged, and you can be encouraged because now that means you know he's lying. So, if he said, you'll never amount to anything, you know you must be going to amount to something. That's why he's lying to you. See? So, we can turn. I started a practice of when I hear, you know, you always hear voices that are trying to speak in your mind and in your heart and discourage you and stuff. And I started this practice of, I doubt that. Use that as a practice. You hear yourself, you're not going to make it this week. You're, you're going to catch that virus. So I doubt that. See, let's throw it back at the devil. And when he speaks something, then you say, you doubt him instead of doubting God. And you can say, I doubt that. I doubt that. I doubt that. I doubt that. It can make a difference, huge difference. So let's look at first establishing God speaking. See, we have to lay a foundation. God speaking, and then we apply it to ourselves. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Logos is the word defined there as God speaking we see in Matthew 4 it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God rhema is defined deeper it's God speaking to you see people make the mistake and part of it we have to take corporately as a church we have not taught properly in the past, they think this is God speaking 2,000, 3,000, Job, book of Job, oldest book in the Bible, 4,000 years ago, plus. And we think God spoke 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. No, He's speaking today. And that's just one tool that He uses. That's why I like the, before I've had it, the Mosquito Indian Bible, on the front of it says Dawan Bila Aiska, our mosquito missionary that's here. Hey, Jill. Jill Matthews is here. She's a missionary. All of us missionaries have a royal fraternity that we have in respect. Good to see you. This girl can do anything. I mean, when the pandemic hit, she armored up and took off as a nurse to New York. To Aaron said, put me in the middle of it. We'll help do whatever we can. And... Um, so, in the Miskito, that Dawan, is their word for God, uh, Dawan, Bila, mouth, Aiska, speaking, present tense, not God's mouth spoke. The front of their Bible says, God's mouth speaking, present tense, present tense. And see, so if you say, well, I just, I saw a, a man on uh, Facebook, I thought it was awesome, and it said, a person was in the car and I go, I want to hear from God. And they said, read your Bible. And they said, I want to hear him out loud. They said, read your Bible out loud. (laughs) There you go. Read your Bible out loud. So, 2 Peter, by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perish, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire unto the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men how does God speak to man well a number of ways an audible voice I don't know of any recorded documented circumstance since we see the scriptural references if you meet someone that says God speaks out loud to them my first impression would be get away from them as far as you can. God rarely speaks audibly out loud to men in these days. He certainly speaks in our heart. Holy Spirit speaks to us. He speaks through a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, you know, uh, speaking in tongues, uh, interpretation and those kinds of things. He speaks through people, but God himself to speak out loud like he did at Jesus' baptism and so forth, that we don't have very many uh, references to, but it's certainly possible. Through the prophets, of course he does. That was an example. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, all the gifts that we do through the baptism. The scriptures. If you want to know what God is saying, then that's one easy source that you have immediate access to any given day. Any given day. And then through preaching, and our scriptures that back that up, through circumstances, God can speak to you through circumstances. You know, God can open a door or shut a door just as easy. And that's why many times you say, God, if that's not what you want for me, shut that door and I'll accept your answer, whatever it is, even if I don't like it. And then he can certainly speak to us through others. So when that scripture says all scripture, 2 Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration. Notice, inspire, wow. breathed. God breathed on us and then in, through inspiration had People of the past write down His word for us. The Holy Spirit wrote this word through people, but told them what to write. Amazing. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, listen to the list, doctrine, reprove, correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, let's break that down. Notice, all Scripture is given for profit of Doctrine, that's your body. Raised from the dead. See, that's your doctrine. That's what you believe. Your body of beliefs. And that's why there is such um, differences among denominations of what that... They had those two. You can remember who's who. The Sadducees are sad, you see. So they're the ones that don't believe in the resurrection. So... But it will establish your doctrine. Well, how do, how do you know what you believe if, you don't, if we don't study the Scriptures to establish what that doctrine is? And there are so many of us, like they say, you've heard pastors say it, and we humbly accept the truth. Most Christians are still in elementary school in their Christian knowledge and their relationship with God. We like recess. We like to have snacks, and take naps, and just play That's how we look at our relationship with God. And God is saying, grow up. We're heading into a time, if you haven't caught on already, we're heading into a time where your faith will in fact be challenged. I hope you're strong enough to stand. I heard a message of an evangelist one time. He said, it's the footman that's here now. Wait till the horseman shows up. This is easy. In America, it's easy. It's easy here. And yet some oh, Pastor Kenny, it's so hard. For reproof. See, it's okay. God chastises those whom he loves. So there's reproof, but then he says correction. Reproof is a, just a little uh, a tweak in the, in, in the leading and so forth, where correction, he can absolutely tell us where we're wrong. The scriptures can show us that. I was part of a, a youth lay witness ministry uh, here in the state, and there was a youth leader... Now, what they did, it was called lay witness among the Methodist and Presbyterian churches. You would come a weekend at a church, and they wouldn't have some big name speaker, evangelist, whatever. They were using laymen. And they would come, it'd start on a Friday night and run all the way through Sunday afternoon. And so when these people would get up and share their testimony and what God was doing in their life, you expect a pastor to sound religious, you don't expect a nurse to or a teacher, or a coach, or an electrician, or whatever. And you think, these people really love God. And it was so impactful doing it that way. Well, there was only three youth leaders in the state. I was one of three. Well, this other guy down in the Lakeland area, we got word that In one of these meetings, he had apparently fallen in love with a 17-year-old girl and convinced them that God had ordained her to move in with him and his wife and they had a triune marriage. They literally, his wife and the 17-year-old slept in the same bed. And it was like, seriously? Guess what? That doesn't line up. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you say. If it's not documented here that you can back that up. Well, we had to immediately go and meet with him and we laid hands on him and prayed and he wept and so forth and said, I'm sorry, I still feel like God said it's okay. So I said, well, that means you're hearing the wrong voice. So apparently you don't know how to identify. You, There's no doubt you may be hearing a voice, but we can tell you based on scripture, you're hearing the wrong voice. And of course, then he was dismissed from his leadership position of working with youth. But see here he was having his own flesh setting a standard and then saying that it was okay with God. It is not if it conflicts God's word. It's real simple. It's real simple. And then I love that last one there. It says, for instruction in righteousness. And it was like, well, you know, there's a side of a belief that's in general in the abstract. Jesus became sin so that we would become righteous. Okay, that's that's the blood of Jesus over so forth. That doesn't mean that we can go out in everyday living and live any way we want to because Jesus has made us righteous. And that's the false doctrine that's out there. Some says has nothing to do with me. It all It's all about Jesus. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. And it's like, no, that's completely false. Completely false. God says over and over again, if you love me, you'll obey me. Right. Many will call me Lord, Lord, but they won't do what I say. So is it works? No, it's not works. But he's, Paul said, I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll show you. Can you imagine? The Apostle Paul was telling the... Other men, imitate me. I'll show you what a Christian is supposed to live like. Imitate me. Oh my goodness, what a standard. What a standard to say, Lord, I want to live in a way that I could tell anyone if you want to know what a person that is absolutely born again, sold out to Jesus and living honorably before God, come live with me for a week and I'll show you how that's done. Oh my goodness. And yet Paul put it in that standard so instruction in righteousness even though we've been wiped clean we still have to have instruction and training to how to live this godly life how to live and do business how to run our family in a godly way we still have to have instruction in righteousness and it all obviously is in the word but he says why is that so that he can just tell us what to do no it's that the man of god may be complete for what reason? thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why he wants to correct us and reprove us and give us instruction in righteousness so that we'll be whole and we'll be complete and we'll be strong so that we'll be equipped for every good work. Every good work. Secondly, the word is trustworthy. Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It is also complete. Every word of God is pure. This is out of Proverbs 30. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. Now let me ask you something Basic English grammar. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. What if you don't put your trust in Him? Is He a shield? See, apparently, He wants you to trust Him and that trust is the shield. If you don't trust the Lord in what He said, you have opened yourself up for demonic attack and so forth. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. You have to believe what you say you believe. We have to live based on what we honestly believe. And you can always listen to what people say and you know what they believe. Oh, Brother Kenny, I just don't know how I'm going to make it. You know, gas prices are going up and my paycheck's going down. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Does that sound like someone who has confidence in the Lord that he's going to take care of them? You just found out their doctrine. They're depending on their hands to make more money so that they can pay the higher gas prices, and then they'll be happy. And that's not how he wants it to work. You know, it's interesting. I, you know, I taught biology for 12 years, and, and I said, and in coaching, you know, a guy can or a person can put their body under what we call in physiology stress and the body will compensate for that. You can start running a half a mile a day and then a mile and then 2 and then 5 and then 10 and then 15 and then you can, you know, marathon runners, you have to build up to that but you can put your body under physiological stress is the scientific term and the body will compensate for that and it will develop the ability to carry more exchange of oxygen, burn off lactic acid faster and it, you'll finally can just run on cruise control to the point now that marathon runners, number mile 26 They're running under a five-minute pace for the 26th mile. That is just hard to comprehend. Hard to comprehend. In weightlifting, it's the same thing. Put the muscle under stress, same scientific word, and you start lifting weight, the body will automatically make a thicker fiber and it will grow itself so that that muscle will get stronger and if you keep doing it, you'll get stronger stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. The body's an amazing thing, but guess what? There is no mechanism to deal with stress. If you get under stress and worry, it confuses the body. We have our nurse back all that up. You can start releasing digestive juices because your body thinks you have food there, but you don't. So it will eat the lining of your stomach. We call that an ulcer. And it's because the body gets confused when it's under stress and anxiety. Notice God, in His infinite wisdom, didn't want you to figure out how to deal with stress. He wanted us to trust Him. Simply trust Him. Don't get caught up in stress and anxiety and so forth. Trust that the Lord really loves you and will take care of you, in spite of you. Thank God for that, huh? My goodness. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, look at these things what refers to the word, Psalm 119. Revive me according to your word. Strengthen me according to your word. Direct my steps by your word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Well, you know, I love to tell missionary stories. Well, there's a direct application to that one. When we wipe walk those paths in the Mosquito Coast and the jungles, some person has a light up to light the general area, but you still have to have a small light to light your steps. So you have to have both. And it's like, so here he's saying, I can show you where you're headed, but I also want you to know what the next step will be. Step by step. His word Can give, give, is, give me understand or your entirety, the entirety of your word is truth. Give me understanding according to your word. Deliver me according to your word. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. However, he, the spirit of truth, when he's come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words, Ramus, God speaking to us, that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But they are some of you who do not believe. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. What is the point of God making you a promise if you don't think He can follow through with it? And that's why we see in the body of Christ, we see so many different levels of a Christian walk. There are some people that... some people get irritated by that. Say, boy, that family, God just seems to bless that family, and it seems like everything always works out good for them. That's probably a family that trusts the Lord, and He's able to do that. And then there's a constant battle in our flesh for us to take the reins and do it ourselves, and then God's saying, well, how's that working out for you? He wants us to finally surrender and let him be in charge. Him be in charge. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God expects us to read the owner's manual. You understand? We have to read a book and take a test to get a driver's license. We have to take a test, I have a general contracting license I have a real estate broker license, we all have to take tests to get certified in nursing and so forth and yet then the greatest relationship under heaven with us in a relationship with God and we'll let this lay on the coffee table and collect dust and we wonder why things don't go well we don't know what to do but worry and is our prayer God I thank you I thank you for what you're doing. Your prayer should always be based in thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to man. You know, you can always have a perspective. You can say, the Lord is my healer, but I'm sick. Or you can turn that around and say, I'm sick, but the Lord is my healer. See, it's a completely mindset, the renewing of our mind. So I always say there, you have to make sure you get your butt in the right place. So. So anyway, rightly dividing the word of truth. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He certainly points out that if we are spiritual and we allow our spirit to commune with God, you will hear what God has to say. Most of the time, we make the mistake of clouding our life with so much stuff we can't hear God speak. So the facts. Summary. Three facts about hearing God's voice. One, God is still speaking. Amen. Number two, he wants to speak to you. And three, he speaks to those who listens. Fact. Fact. That's why I love, you know, we have you know Brother Hines as a, as a, a prophetic gift that some people have a public gift of hearing from God and communicating that to the body. I don't know if you've ever been in sometimes revival meetings and they'll have someone there that can speak like that and when they head down the aisle, I don't know about you, but there's been times where you go, don't look at me. (laughs) So I don't want you to read my mail. I'm not ready for you to read my mail. No, no, thank you, Jesus. Okay, yes, Lord, let me repent right now before He comes down my aisle. So, be still and know that I am God. So what did God say about you? When Pastor Steve called, it was like, okay, Lord, what, what do you want? What do you want to communicate? I know this, Satan loves to mess with God's people. And I love to mess with Satan trying to mess with God's people. And so it's like, if he is always discouraging us, most women look in a mirror, they will always see everything wrong. My ears aren't right. My nose is too long, too short. I don't now. I've got bulges in the wrong place. I should have better bulges in the better places. I, but we find something that we don't like what we see, and then sometimes men are just the opposite. You know. <laughs> we have an inflated image of ourselves. You know. Man, we can curl 32 pounds and we think, you know, ready for international competition. And um, so normally men don't have that issue, but at the same time they do. How many times do you see, I've got a good friend of mine, listen, Morriston, he's a country boy. A belt buckle about that big. And Jill, here's the scary part, he went through the scanner in Honduras and it didn't even go off. Which meant, we said, is that machine even on? <laughs> he's got a metal belt buckle six inches in diameter and it didn't even trip your machine. He could have been carrying anything. And, um, but many times, the guy that is flexing his muscles and, and, and carrying himself, he's really not as secure as what you might think he is. He's trying to impress you, because there's something in him that says, me just being normal is not good enough. And can't just pick on the men, uh, teaching school for, you know, 12 years, Uh, see it in high school all the time. There's a great competition. Oh, the competition among girls is worse than the competition among boys. Holy cow. And that girl that dresses in a provocative way, and carries herself in a certain way, she's openly admitting, me just being me is not good enough. I'm gonna have to show you something to distract you from who I really am. See, it's insecurity. And that's because we've heard a lie. And Satan has told you you're not good enough. And that we're not smart enough and we're not pretty enough and we're not successful enough. It's all a lie. And some part of that we accept. Even if we don't take it all, it's still there. It is still speaking at small voice. And we want to turn off the wrong small voice and turn on the right small voice. Help us, Lord Jesus. So I thought, Lord, somebody, somebody needs, if it's just one person, somebody needs to hear this. You are infinitely loved by a God that... Those physical attributes mean nothing to him. He is looking at a heart that loves him and will worship him. I know Melinda and I have had this conversation more than once. She goes, Kenny, you preach, you teach, you sing, you go on a mission trip, you do all these things. I don't do anything. I said, no, if you knew her private life, she studies a Bible more than I do. She has a commitment to God deeper than most people I've ever met. And it's like, that is impressive to God. That's what he loves. That's what he loves. There are times you can go on a mission trip for the wrong reason. Oh, they treat you like royalty. Oh, my goodness. We've taken teams down there. Oh, it's anything you want. We were working on a construction site so they could get a pilot up in wasp down not far from Puerto Lumpira, and they needed to get a new plane up in the air so we, me and a friend went down to that country boy from Morriston. We went down and renovated a house so that they could get another pilot there so they could get another plane up in the air because there was only one plane serving that entire Mosquito Coast area and that was like 25,000 people that needed to get medical attention. And so we're sitting there and I came to work one morning, seven o'clock in the morning, and here's this big stock of, they have 22 different varieties of bananas. And one of those is called a chata. It's a little short, fat, stubby thing, and it's kind of sweet and tart at the same time. And I had just simply made the comment that I would really like one of those. Seven o'clock the next morning, I show up, and here is a 40-pound stock. And I go, where did that come from? There's none of those around here. And this, oh, Brother Kenny, he said, I just, I just went down to the river. What that meant was before 7 a.m., he hiked three miles to the river catching a boat going by and bought some of those bananas and threw that over his shoulder and walked three miles back to the job site before 7 a.m. Simply because Brother Kenny said that he'd like to have one of those bananas in a passing conversation. So there are people that will do ministry things because they get all this recognition. And they get all of this stuff. God is looking at the heart. That's why things, works can deceive you. Completely deceive you. And that's why sometimes the Lord wants us to do things without passing out cards, without putting up sight signs, without handing out flyers. He wants us to do things that people, what does he say? What you do in secret will be rewarded openly. Uh, that comedy movie that was on where that guy, they were doing something about trying to save the snow owl and this guy's walking around and he's going, Hi, I'm the anonymous donor that gave all the millions of dollars. <laughs> Hi, I'm the anonymous donor. that uh, yeah. He was just eating that up. So, what does God say about us? Matthew 5, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. You know that word, all? You know what it means in the original? All. That's it. It's simple. All the power of the enemy. We have authority over that. We just don't think we do. We just don't think we do. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. The Spirit of Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, which we here on the earth we are, then we will also be glorified together. you got to know who you are. And you can tell the dove to quit messing with you. He's trespassing on property that he's not supposed to be. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. See, we think because of sin in our life, past or present, we just think we're not worthy of God's power operating within our life. And he said that has nothing to do with it. It's the righteousness of God, the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. So, we don't, I don't endorse um, Lauren Daigle because Pastor mentioned she has a funny doctrine about there's more ways to God, I guess, than one. He said he heard her say that. But she certainly has some incredible songs. Here's the basis of the background of how she wrote that. And somebody here, if not many of us, need to hear this, and then I'm going to play the song, and I want it to minister to you. So we've got some volume up there. Tell me when you're ready.
2: keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. It was the day after my very first Dove Awards, and um, I remember being completely overwhelmed. I walked into the studio, and Paul and Jason, my producers, were in there, and they're like, all right, what's going on in your world? How's it been? It was the first time we had written since How Can It Be? I just remember feeling like so much had happened the night before. How do I come back down to normal? How do I come back down to reality? And started realizing these patterns of like, really high highs and then, okay, now there's a low. Really high high, now there's a low. And involving expectation in that space can just um, leave you kind of questioning your identity. Where do I fit in? Where is my security? Where's my footing? You say, um, I just remember feeling, for the first time, pretty conflicted. It was definitely the first moment in just being an artist that I was like, okay, where where is all of this going exactly? And I know that we've all faced moments in life where we can feel a crossroads happen, where we can see the past and also see the future and realize how we are supposed to exist in the present. And it was one of those moments where I could see where things were going and I knew exactly where I came from and I needed those worlds to still be married. And thus brought up the issue of just identity and trying to figure out how to exist when I feel like so many things were pulling me in so many different directions. With that, I think a lot of times we build these complexes about, you know, based on insecurity, based on fear, based on rejection, and just lies that we have to constantly overcome. And so this song, for me, was just a reminder of identity. It was a reminder that, you know, when I'm weak, he's strong. So how do I change that and bring that into my everyday life? When I feel inadequate, how is it that um, there's always these moments where I feel like God just steps in and supersedes my inadequacies. This entire song was so that every single night I would get up on stage and remind myself, no, this, this is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. Don't get buried in confusion. Don't get buried in um, like waywardness. Just remember to steady the course. Steady the course. So that's the story behind this so. thing.
0: Let it, let it keep running because it's coming, the song itself. Let this song then, now to have the words with it, let it minister to you. You really are special and God's going to take care
1: of you. I
0: love this song.
2: I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough.
1: You'll have every failure, God You'll have every victory
0: And so God, in the midst of all of us, looks down and goes, what did I say? That's what he said. Don't believe. If there's ever any voices that you hear that tell you you're not good enough, you're not attractive enough, you're not smart enough, you're not successful enough, know where it's coming from and say, I doubt that. I doubt that. He hates it. You know that story where Jesus is you know in the wilderness being tempted some people see that picture where Satan comes up and says oh why don't you make these stones turn them to bread I don't think Jesus would engage him you know Caesar Milan says if you let two dogs eyeball each other you have a fight on your hand you got to keep them distracted I don't think he's going to get behind me I think Jesus said get, get behind me you got man shall not live by bread alone and he turned his back on him Ignore the devil, it drives him crazy. Literally crazy. Because he's expecting us to accept what he says and then live our life according to that. Don't. So if you're hearing negative things about yourself, know the source. It can't be God. God would never do that. And if there's going to be encouraging things that come, then you know that that's God speaking. Recognize the voice so let's pray father we come to you in the name of Jesus lord you love us so much and you love us in spite of us that father even when we were yet sinners you would die for us how much more will you be beside beside us as we go through everyday life lord you want us to be victorious in our life you want us to be successful to the point that we can help others in their time of need the lord the Christian body ought to be the healthiest, happiest, most successful people upon the face of the earth. That's what in the Old Testament scared all of the people where they were coming. Jericho said, we've seen what your God does for you. But Lord, we need to trust you in that. And by mixing that with faith, trusting that you're going to take care of us, then you're free to do just that. Lord, let us not trust in ourselves. Our hands are not capable of taking care of us. Our mind and our heart is not capable of doing the right things. We must yield ourselves to you. We must let our spirit have control in our life and put our flesh under subjection to our spirit. We should let our spirit tell us what to do. Oh Jesus. Encourage someone tonight Lord that just is discouraged, who doesn't think much of themselves and their self-esteem is way too low. Or they've believed a lie. Lord, help them to believe you and how precious they are in your eyes. Thank you, God. Let us be an encourager. Let us never be caught up in Satan's tactics where we're the one that are speaking negative words and critical words and criticisms over other people or judging other people. Let us not be in that camp till we're actually assisting him, discouraging other people. Forgive us, Lord. Let us watch what we say and what comes out of our mouth. That, Lord, we can be the encourager. We can speak life into people.
1: Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen.